Well, good morning. We are in Ecclesiastes and we're moving to chapter two of the subhead title, I guess. Subtitle is Pleasures Are Meaningless. Last uh, time we were together yesterday was Wisdom is Meaningless. I guess that was on Friday. This is a Monday. I don't know. I'm recording um, ahead of time with the weather uh, or the actually the cloud cover and the smoke and everything that's going on in our world right now. Um, I've decided to kind of stay home, stay out of the bad weather and uh, bad air quality and record some. So this is, in my day, this will be from Monday, September 19th. And so um, obviously I'm working way ahead. Um, anyway, we're in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, uh, and the subtitle or the heading again, as I said, is pleasures are meaningless. It doesn't say they aren't fun. Um, it just says they are meaningless. I thought in my heart we're still in the first person here. Uh, the teacher uh, is in the first person. Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. He says to himself, I'm going to test myself. I'm going to look at my own heart. I'm going to throw everything I can at it. And in First Kings chapters uh, 4 through 11, you can go back and look at those. Um, he does. He tries everything and, and, uh, and finds that it proves to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself up with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven. Again, there's under heaven during the few days of their lives. So he constantly has, has this twofold look. He has this under earth um, where he's looking at all of these things and then he, he just keeps bouncing back and forth saying uh, everything under heaven, everything under God's sovereignty where he uses Elohim uh, again and talks about everything under his sovereignty. We looked at that earlier um, uh, last time we were together. Um, and everything is under God's sovereignty and everything is under God's control, even all the craziness we see in our world. God has not uh, left his throne He's not busy. He's not um, um, distracted. He is in control. And we have to realize that everything that is going on in our world that we see, God is not blind to, and he does not take a blind eye to it, but he is watching it. Um, if you look again at 1 Kings chapter 4 uh, and then all the way through 11, you see all of the things that uh, that he looks at and he he tries to take and and say I'm going to challenge myself to see if pleasure is where it's at. Wisdom obviously isn't where it's at. Even though I'm the wisest man who's ever lived, God gave me that gift. Um, I'm look, I'm looking now at pleasures and doesn't this go just hand in hand in the way we are our world today? As we begin to learn and we count ourselves to be wise, then we think, well, I should have all these things, and so he begins to take on all of these these things that he thinks will please him. Look at 1 Kings chapter 11. Go back a few pages uh, in, in Kings, and it teaches us about, uh, uh, you know, the kings and the times and their reigns and all of those things. It's really good material to read. Uh, uh, if you look at 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, talking about Solomon, um, verse 3 and 4, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him, led him astray. He thought, I'll just get into all the pleasures of the world. So he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. 
Let that sink in for a moment. All of us men who try to remember when our anniversary is. 700 wives. And he had a harem of 300 concubines. Remember, he married uh, so many women of, uh, it says, of royal birth. And so he was trying to bring peace to the world. And he did that by marrying uh, all of the other kings of other nations, their daughters. But at the same time, it wasn't just for that, right? I mean, he, they were beautiful women that he would bring into his household. And he, and he thought that that would answer all the questions. And many people do that. They think the next relationship is the best relationship. And that is the one that is going to solve all of my problems when the reality is our problem is a sin problem. Our problem is the, the person we shave with, the person we look in the mirror and put the makeup on. The, if you're a woman, the person who, who you spend the most time with, and that's you. The reality is the problem lies within. It's not an external problem. And that's what he's saying here. I thought to myself, I'll challenge my heart and I'll go ahead and try all of these things. And then he looks at that and he tries to um, to solve his problems in that way. Look at verse four. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. Uh, I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them, made reservoirs of water, groves of flourishing trees, bought male and female slaves and other shaves, slaves, excuse me, who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Israel before me, amassed silver and gold. Remember, he would get 250 tons of gold a year, not uh, not even counting all of the taxes and all of the things. His treasury was huge, and the treasury of uh, treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women, singers and harem. Remember the three hundred concubines. That's the harem, as well as the delights. Um, as well, the delights of the heart of men. Every single thing that man looks at and thinks is important, uh, Solomon um, tried it. Solomon brought it into his home, brought it into his life, brought it into his world because he challenged in his heart. He set out. Ecclesiastes is so honest because he says, I set out to challenge my heart with all the pleasures of the world. Now, look at some of the buildings that uh, he did. Remember, David wanted to build God a temple, a permanent house, which was never, by the way, God's plan. Uh, David wasn't allowed to because he was a man of bloodshed. He was a he was a, a warrior. So Solomon was going to build it. So look at to First Kings chapter six, verse thirty-eight and thirty-nine. In the eleventh year, in uh, the month of Buel, Bol, uh, the eighth month, the temple was finished in its details according to its specifications. He had spent seven years building it. It took him seven years, and he built uh, God's temple, God's home, to the nth detail. But look in the next chapter, chapter seven. And, and verse 1, it took Solomon 13 years, however, to complete the construction of his palace. He built the palace of the forest of Lebanon. And then it goes into the size of it. And by the way, his the size of his temple was, or his palace was almost twice the size. And it took twice as long to build. So he did not, he did not spare any expense. He did not um, go, go, go on the cheap. He did everything that he wanted to do. Verse 9, he became gr- I became greater by far than anyone in Israel before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. He didn't lose his wisdom. He didn't lose the gift that God gave him. Some of us believe that as we, as we struggle and as we struggle with sin, that the gift that God gave us in our life, um, um, the gifts that he gave us, he takes away. No, no, he doesn't. 
those gifts are still within your heart, but they're getting buried and more buried and more buried by the, by the, the, and polluted by the things of the world. And God wants to recapture and he wants to reignite that flame that he's placed within you. And he wants to take those gifts and he wants to use them for his glory. Let's go on. Uh, look at verse 10. This is crazy. I denied myself nothing from my, my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this was the reward of all my labor. I took delight in all of this and anything I saw, I took. Anything I wanted, I made mine. Any woman, any slave, any singer, any building project, gold, silver, everything. I took it unto myself and I enjoyed my labors. I enjoyed the work of my hands. I enjoyed all of this stuff. Then verse 11, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing again, here is that chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Everything that you and I go for, if it's not planted and rooted in the word of God and in the, in the calling of God that he's placed upon our life with the gifts that he's given us, those gifts begin to be buried by all of this earthly treasure. All of these things that we look at and we think we need and we say in our hearts, I must have that. Um, I use the analogy of a new car. It's not long before that new car has dents or it has little bumps, or it has scratches, or the paint begins to fade, or the interior gets a little stained, or it's not running the way it did when you drove it off the lot. And all of those things begin to take away from the beauty of that car. And what do we do? We get rid of it and try to get another one. It's the same with uh, furniture. It's the same with clothes. You get a brand new beautiful shirt and immediately you drop something on it, or someone drops something on it and it gets stained, and you want a new shirt and we're always looking for what is new and it's it's that same way many times in every area of our life a job doesn't satisfy we try another one a relationship doesn't satisfy we try another one when all the time what we really need to do is invest our heart in God. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart for all of it or all of the issues of life flow out of it. Not open your heart to all the pleasures of the world, but guard it and protect it. It literally has the picture of setting a guard or setting a sentry over your heart. Why? Because out of that heart flow all the issues of life. That heart was created by God and that heart beats and that heart pumps and that heart works. And the very center of our life is supposed to be centered in God. And it will never be satisfied outside of that. It will never be satisfied outside of that. So I would ask you, where's your heart? And what are you seeking after? And are you finding like Solomon that everything you are seeking after without asking God if this is what's best for you? Are those things bringing pleasure? And even momentary pleasure. The Bible says sin is fun for a season, but there's a, a price to pay. Uh, one pastor said sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep, keep you, than you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And it's so true. And the wages of those sins, Romans 6.23, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for me. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you until we talk again.